Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Hi there, folks. This is episode 205 of the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. We've got some fantastic panelists this episode, and we've got some fantastic topics, folks. But first of all, I'm going to let my panel introduce themselves. As always, ladies first. Go on, Mm. Sally, introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. I'm Sally Getch. My business is WP Fangirl. I do mostly um, Genesis theme development, and I'm also organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. And uh, you can join us this weekend if you happen to live there. Sounds good to me. Uh, Introduce yourself, Kim. I'm Kim Schivler. My business is White Glove Web Training. I teach basic WordPress and also how to build out learning platforms and online courses. I'm going to ask Adam to introduce himself. Sure. My name is Adam from WPCrafter.com, which is the largest resource on YouTube for video training about WordPress. It's a fun place to be. You should go check it out and subscribe. (laughs) True words, never said. And uh, uh, Morton, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Morton. I'm a senior staff instructor at Lynda.com at LinkedIn Learning. I'm just back from WordCamp Europe. Yeah, he's, been, mm-hmm. he's been Frenched up, folks. Uh, um, John, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I am John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design, providing SEO and custom WordPress theme development for mid-sized businesses with a dedicated marketing department. And you, my beloved co-host, Jonathan. <laughs> I just love that, John. Uh, um, so um, I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a service maintenance company. We're your trusted WordPress partner. And um, let's go into the stories first, the stories. And we're going to, um, I think I found some decent stories this week. i leave the panel to decide. It was good um, news week, yeah. Yeah. Um, WooCommerce drops the 50% renewal discount on subscriptions shock horror I, I keep saying that too often really i think i said your it, catchphrase i said it five times last week i'm gonna have to cut back um sally what do you think of this uh well i i think this is uh it seems to be uh, what happens uh, in the wordpress community every time something costs money um i mean my, my impression is they did a very poor job of communicating it and uh you know most uh, clients I've worked with are willing to accept price increases and understand, but as long as I explain why and give them some advance notice and, and, and that kind of thing, it's, you know, and I think that particularly with an e-commerce product, you're using this to make money. Therefore, you should expect to pay money for it. And uh, so, uh, you know, if, uh, if after evaluating the, the state of woo, uh, automatic uh, realized you know they need to change the pricing structure in in order to to maintain profitability then that's what they needed to do and and really the only issue is you know is, <clears throat> how how well this was communicated and and how well uh, existing customers were transferred and sometimes uh, when you get you know like my favorite stock photo place was uh, bought out by adobe and i got a year of adobe at the price that I was paying for the other thing, you know, then Adobe, or then suddenly I'm paying three times as much because Adobe, but, uh, you know, they, 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 they provided a, a little transition period to, to ease people into it. And, and something like that might've been nice to do, but I think a lot of the, uh, a lot of the most outraged people seem to, you know, have this idea that, you know, because WordPress is open source, everything needs to be cheap or free. Yeah, that's the impression I get. Um, What do you think, Adam? Well, I think it's going to, um, I think it's going to backfire, but not for the reason why most people think it's going to backfire. A lot of people think, oh, the price increase, people are going to balk at that. But the way I see it is now someone has 
zero incentive to actually pay the renewal because what why would you pay the renewal the plugins are working you don't need support everything's fine why even renew people will renew because they're given an incentive to renew and this incentive is it's a discounted price and if they don't renew within a period of time now they got to repurchase it at the normal price but if the plugin's still going to work you're pretty stable with your environment. You don't need an update. There is no security thing that just was released. Why on earth would you renew anyway? I mean, wouldn't you just wait a little bit until maybe you needed support? So say it expires in January and it's summer and you're running into problems. Well, well, that's when I'll renew. And then there's that six months period where you didn't uh, have the latest update or something like that. So, um, but I definitely... Um, looking forward to seeing what happens if they ever did share like any public information, which they probably wouldn't because it's public, uh, you know, because it's a, uh, a large corporation. I doubt they're going to share it, but I would be very interested to see what happens with the renewal because of the issue that I just brought up. And I've actually had that same discussion with other developers of products where they give you zero discount and what they've done because they don't get the renewals, they actually lock you out of the plugin. Um, uh, one of the uh, top membership plugins, MemberPress, does this. If you um, don't renew, they give you zero renewal discount. There's no incentive to renew. But what the incentive they built in is you can't use the plugin anymore. <laughs> you can't add or take away anything to it if you don't renew. I just don't see why I, I would renew something unless there's a security update. That's why I love you. Do you just say it as you feel? Uh, um, Kim, uh, what do you think? Well, I, I agree with Sally. I think it was just maybe not communicated, but you've got, if they've got to do it, but I hadn't actually thought of Adam's point, And I do think that people will do that. They'll wait until there's a major update that they need to update um, in order to, to, to do it. I think some people will do that. But overall, you know, I, I think all of us on this panel have, have been in agreement that some of the attitude is just the craziness in the WordPress community that everyone thinks everything should be free. And um, as business people, we know that that just doesn't work. No. What about you, Moulton? What did you think? Did you do? There. I just have to unmute myself. Uh, I... Yeah, there, there's, there's this ridiculous notion that things should be free, which is nonsense. Um, it is in large part, it in large part exists because of us, the community, we keep saying stuff like that, which makes no sense. Like we keep telling people that WordPress is cheap and WordPress is free and you can do all this stuff and you don't need to pay for it. Um, the question of why people would keep updating even though the price is full price is not really uh, in any other context that wouldn't be a question to ask. The only reason why it's a question to ask is because we keep saying that things should be free and cheap. Um, the reality is the people that rely on WooCommerce also rely on WooCommerce being up to date and relies on support. And any person who has a WooCommerce site has every uh, incentive to keep it up to date and keep paying that licensing fee because the licensing fee, if you can't afford to pay that licensing fee, your e-commerce store is not an e-commerce store. It's just a big box of wasted money, right? So uh, any, any serious business that uses WooCommerce in a serious way will pay this fee unless they're being explicitly told by their developer or designer that they shouldn't, which would be irresponsible from that uh, perspective. I, uh, I think this whole notion of getting people to renew by reducing the price by 50% thing is uh, something that it's kind of a panic move on the, on behalf of a company. Like you don't see big companies do this. It's only small companies who are like trying to keep people engaged and are worried that people won't pay for it. Uh, so I, I, I don't think that on, if you looked at this from another perspective, this whole conversation is ridiculous. The only reason why we're having it is because of this ridiculous notion within our community that things should be free or cheap, which is something we should do away with anyway. I mean, the, the reality is when we underprice our products, they look like garbage. So we shouldn't be doing that. I, I, have no, 
I, of course, people are going to abandon ship immediately because it's more expensive. But in the long run, I don't think this has a negative impact on anything. Yeah, I kind of agree with you and Adam because I, I see it as a kind of, um, I've lost the word I was going to use. Um, the feeling, you know, it was, I think a lot of this is down to the WordPress community and, and the people that started WordPress and blah, blah, blah. Expectations, uh, that was the word I was looking for. I think the expectation around WordPress has been set. And so people feel that they're, when this, something like this comes up, they feel that they're being cheated in a way because they've been told that, like what you've said, Bolton, it's free, it's this, it's that. It's like they've been sold, a, um, like what Adam is pointing out, they've been sold a, a message and then they've been told the message is totally different. What do you think, John? Do you think I'm just rabbiting or do you think I'm on to something there? Well, I agree with Morton on this, and I, I have several clients that have WooCommerce shops, and some, some of them make mut, a lot of money. Some of them make a little tiny amount of money. Um, here's the thing. The people complaining about the price increase, I have WooCommerce subscriptions. I subscribe to you know different plugins like Gravity Forms and uh, Migrate Database Pro and all these things, and when the renewal comes up, I always forget that there is a discount. I never ever, ever counted on the discount being there. If that's like your make or break for, you know, using a plugin, then then perhaps you should charge more or or get a different pricing model because that is how software as a service apps operate. You don't get a discount on Netflix uh, or anything else that you subscribe to for using it for over a year. So neither should, you know, plugins. And you're seeing this in the plugin ecosystem in WordPress, EDD. Uh, same thing, people had a backlash for a minute and then they're, you know, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, the same thing, Migrate Database Pro is, is going up. But here's the thing, that those fees pay for the support that you're receiving from the plugin. And like Morton was saying, the high-end clients and the high-end agencies, they have that, those costs like already built into their price. Serious companies that are using WooCommerce or any other plugin, they have those costs allocated already. So if you're a smaller agency or a freelancer that's relying on WooCommerce and you're outraged that they didn't tell you, I feel you on that. They should have handled the announcement of the price increase better. But you should anticipate those things costing uh, the the same price that you paid for them initially each year and put that into your cost, put that into your pricing. Yeah, I, I have to say, I, I got about five emails from my great DB Pro saying, our price is going up, our price is going up, buy now before the price goes up. Um, yeah. So they were good about communicating it. They certainly were. Well, <clears throat> I think we've covered that story. Let's go on to the next story, the Getterberg and Matt Cromwell's um, observations. Um, who to start with? Um, I have no idea. Um, let's start with John. What did you think of it, John? Uh, come back to me. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Start um, let's start with Kim then. What do you think, Kim? Um, well, I couldn't verify it or not. I, I didn't, I, I read it and I said, okay, let me put the plugin in and test it to see if I'm finding the same things. Oh, that's very I, impressive, Kim. You know, I didn't know well, if it was accurate. And I, I don't know if it was bugs or my install or what. It's, you know, it's just one of my test installs. But I kept having, I, I got what he was saying about the simplicity and this and that. But I kept having issues if I, edit, if I edited it, then went back into the post, you know, saved it and went back in to edit it again. Things were disappearing right and left. So I was like, ah, maybe it's not ready for prime time yet, at least not for me. Uh, but also for the other thing I noticed, and, and my perspective is a lot of times different because so much of my audience are the super beginners, the 70-year-olds who really rely on the visual editor. The tiny MCE advanced options don't show. So you're just limited to their bold um, justification like there's four things you have there and so for my audience that's going to be too big of a hurdle for them yes. what did you think Moulton 
Sorry, you dropped that in the beginning. We're talking Gutenberg here? Yes, we're talking about the Gutenberg. Yes, Morton. Do we have like eight hours to this? No, we haven't. We got about 15 to 20 minutes. Okay, so, uh, Gutenberg is uh, a solution begging a problem in a very real sense. Uh, this is historically, this stems from Matt's comment at WordCamp, uh, WordCamp San Francisco, like 2013, 2014, about WordPress becoming a block based system. Um, it is being, uh, it has been fast tracked through a development process that lacked any kind of user user research, any kind of uh, personas, any kind of user journeys, anything like that. It has yet to prove any v validity within the WordPress ecosystem. And it's profoundly confusing on a user experience level. The accessibility is non-existent at the moment. Uh, it, it adds a level of complexity to content production, which is absurdly high. Uh, and shifts focus on to really obscure little things. Like if you open the content editor, there's an enormous section for embeds, which is something that very few people use. Um, now, you know, this sounds like, this sounds like I absolutely hate the idea. Of well, it does sound you like you're a big fan of it, actually, Walter. <laughs> I think the idea of Gutenberg is a good one. The, this idea that you can um, create blocks within your content and then say like this block is a thing that's going to go next to another thing or this is going to be like a split content thing or this is going to be a full width thing or whatever. The problem is it's presented in the context of the content editor. That's not where it belongs. It belongs in the context of the entire site, which is eventually where it's going to go. Like Gutenberg is the first step in a process that will eventually allow you to control the entire uh, view of any WordPress content. Uh, so you should be able to, you know, drag your sidebars around and move the header and all that stuff. Um, the problem is it's introduced in the content editor where it does not belong because people who create content are what they want is as little obstruction as possible to get what where they want to go. And this introduces an enormous level of obstruct, like, uh, obstruction to everything you're trying to do. Uh, and I think what the project suffers from is the lack of a user persona, uh, the lack of any kind of um, journey mapping. So you to figure out how do people write content and how do they produce the content and when do they edit it and what do they do in terms of moving content around. Um, and because of that, there's a bunch of features in Gutenberg that have been added that have no real use case aside from this is really neat. Like for instance, the ability for you to move paragraphs up and down with an arrow is absurd. No one does that in editing. That's not something people do. That's, a, that's something that if you, you might do it if you're working in Illustrator and you're making a poster, but in the context of writing content for the web, that is not a feasible situation that people would want to do at any time. Uh, and yes, you could say that, well, if it's an image, then it's different, but it, sure. But then it should be a feature for the image. It shouldn't be a feature for every single piece of content. Because what ends up happening is you have these bizarre situations where if you hit the tab key while you're editing content, what do you expect happens? Like if you're writing a, you're writing a paragraph, you know, blah, 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 and then you hit the tab key, what happens? You should Anyone? tab over. You, you should tab over within the text so that you, as like an indent type of tab. You indent, right? Yeah, yeah. no, that doesn't happen here. <laughs> when you tab, you move to the next block, right? Because that's how you navigate blocks. Um, and uh, that, that, that little example belies a much bigger problem, which is there's a new layer of abstraction added to the content editor now, which is the block layer where, where each block has its own little nav thing with its own little function that you can do. Um, and what ends up happening is you have to shift in and out of this layer to it's like, now I'm managing the blocks. Now I'm managing the content. Now I'm actually managing the blocks again. And, it becomes very, very complex to do something that should be dead simple. So, and like, this, is uh, being, this is being shipped into core. Like there's no question about it. This is going to end up in core probably within the year. And that means every single person who uses WordPress internationally 
will have to come to terms with this thing. And it also means it needs to be beta tested and commented on and picked apart and rebuilt again by every single person who has a vested interest in WordPress. Because if it shipped the way it is now into WordPress core, it would kill WordPress. Well, there we go. What did you, what did you think of it, Adam? Um, well, in the first news segment, we talked about how uh, there's this misnomer that uh, WordPress is cheap. And uh, in this news story, we need to talk about a different misnomer, which is WordPress is easy. Because WordPress is not easy at all. Now, for us, we're in an echo chamber. It's easy for us, right? We know exactly where to go for everything. But for the other, what would it be, 72% of market share that WordPress doesn't have, WordPress is not easy. Now, I'm not saying these other platforms are easy, but I know for darn sure, someone new to WordPress, WordPress is not easy. Like, where, where do I go to change the menu? And uh, why can't I just do that here or that? And there's all these problems with usability, in my opinion, with WordPress. Now, on to Gutenberg. Gutenberg is, they're, they're trying to make some things easier. I mean, I'm not so clear on what the end goal is with the Gutenberg personally. Um, I, don't, I don't think they are. <laughs> I don't think they are. What, what would be a perfect world for me would be to look at the front end of my website, click somewhere to click on the menu. And now I can edit the menu, but from visually from the front end, right? You get that in the customizer. Um, but you need to first know to go to the customizer, but do I go to appearance and menus and the same thing goes with the content? You know, um, this is something that page builders are trying to solve where people say, why can't I just make that header in my page builder? And they're trying to solve that. And that's the direction that that's going. But the, you know, it's kind of hard to, to talk about where Gutenberg is today because it's going to be something totally different by the time it, it, it ships. Um, uh, and I did play with it, and I, I, I think it's neat. But I, I, there, there was an article yesterday that um, I think it was last night Chris Lemma put out, and, you know, he had some an interesting opinion on it, and he was right. And I think Mortensen was uh, – uh, Morton or Mortensen? I'm sorry, buddy. Morton. <laughs> Mortensen. That's like a butler's name. Um, okay, Morton. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, when I was a kid, I used to watch Mr. Belvedere. Anyways, um, <laughs> you'd have to be probably in your 40s to know what the heck that is. Uh, anyways, um, the, the point was we need to get to the point where you can look at the front end of your website and just do everything in an intuitive way on the front end, whether it's adding content, building your pages, editing your navigation menu. We essentially need to get to that point. And Gutenberg, I think their intention isn't making it for us, isn't making it for the 28% of websites. They're making it for the 72% of websites that they want to capture. And I, I don't necessarily know that, that it's going to do it as it is today. I, I would like a more comprehensive solution. But I don't even know, some of you more experienced developers in this group, I don't even know if that's really possible. Because You've got um, WordPress, that, that was that reverse compatibility? What's the, the proper phrase for it? Where they, they've got to make it so it works for everybody. They can't have like a cutoff. And this is the same problem you have with the very popular page builder, Divi. They have to support the last five, 10 years of users and versions and make it upgrade compatible. So they're really, I think they're in a tough spot. I think they're in a tough spot on how do they get that other 72%. And that's what it boils down to in my mind. Yeah. So, um, Sally, what did you think? Okay. Uh, so I tested um, Gutenberg when they, when they had the very first prototype out. And at that point, it was actually showing you editing from the front end of the site. And what was confusing about that was there, there was nothing to indicate you were an editor. Plus, of course, half the stuff, you know, didn't even begin to, to work. But I liked the experience. I haven't had a chance to to install the 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 plugin, but I do get the impression that it's yeah that technically really it should be described as pre beta, um, and a, a lot of it, it just isn't uh, working yet. And you know we're having a, a, a 
contributor day at, at our meetup in August, and I'm going to encourage the people who, you know, I'm going to encourage people that, that testing this, you know, on a, on a clean install could be a very good way to contribute because we do need feedback from, uh, from everyone. I think Chris Lama had a good point is like, which problem is this trying to solve that hearing people talk about it? You know, I expected something that was, you know, more of a page builder, uh, more of the let's compete with, with uh, Squarespace and Wix. And what I found was something that seemed more, you know, let's compete with the writing experience and medium. Um, and, <clears throat> uh, you know, can, that it, can I, can I, sorry to be rude. Um, I don't zoom mid flow, but, um, I, I just couldn't resist temptation. I think uh, I've got to be honest. I think that that's a little bit unfair because, you know, Jackie and myself have through a number of episodes said that the actual doing basic editing in the present environment is not only extremely confusing for the average person, but it's really terrible. Um, and I, I presume that this is what they're trying to fix with. Well, that was my original impression, and and you know we've definitely talked about how just using the visual editor is not very nice, and you know it, my sense was it would probably be a, a you know a nicer experience than than using the visual editor as it is, um, but you know there are issues with it. Uh, you know it's true. Like if I'm working in Microsoft Word. You know, I don't move paragraphs by, by clicking arrows. I move the, I cut the paragraph and I insert the point, you know, I insert the pointer up here and I, and I paste it. And, you know, there are no intuitive interfaces. There are only familiar interfaces. Okay. And people who are editing content generally expect whatever they're working with to be like Microsoft Word or Google Docs or, or whatever they normally use to, to write content in. And, and this is where you, you know, you run into a lot of, of, issues because you know print documents and web documents never worked the same never were meant to work the same but that mental leap is is hard to make uh, and uh, so I think you know having a having an editor that as an editor just you know feels and 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 looks better and and lets you do at least a few things that you couldn't do previously is a good step to take but, you know, we've already talked about, you know, marketing WordPress in inaccurate ways. That's, you know, claiming that it's cheap, claiming that it's easy, then finding ourselves in trouble because, you know, it's not really either of those things. And people object uh, because, you know, not necessarily because it's hard so much as because they feel misled. Uh, and so I think, yeah, there, there's a lot that needs to be addressed before they can put this in core without, as, as Morton says, you know, having a, a disaster that kills WordPress. So, John, what did you think? You know, basically to sum up what everyone else said, it, they're, they're focusing on the, the editing experience because they're looking at competitors like Wix and Squarespace and they're trying to push it in that direction. Uh, in its current form, it, it really feels like a mashup between uh, a page builder and medium. And I definitely hope that there's uh, the bugs are worked out because in its current form, I, I, I do think that there's a bit of a learning curve here. It's definitely uh, a lot different from... Well, you're, you're, yeah. so, you're so diplomatic, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes, Addy yeah. Ribbit, you're not diplomatic with me sometimes, but there we go. <laughs> uh, but, but I need control, don't I, John? Uh, um, uh, go on. Sorry. No, that, that's pretty much like what, what you know. Everyone said, like Morton said, this is this is definitely going to be in core by the end of the year. So uh, we need to come to grips with it. Uh, you know, hopefully this will not end up being like uh, when they tried to copy Tumblr and have uh, the different post types. Uh, or the post oh, yeah, formats. I was so annoyed when they pulled that. Yeah. Uh, so. I got a, I got a definite feeling we're going down that territory actually. John. I think so too. <laughs> I think definitely. That's my thoughts on it, yeah. You no, know, um, I gotta say, Walton, when you uh, say what you were saying, I felt like I feel like uh, like a junior designer that 
that's really think they've done a really fantastic design and they've gone to their art director and he's pointed out why it's a piece of shit. <laughs> it's not a piece of shit. The problem is just like with a lot of things that happen in the WordPress community, and the open source community in general is the, the process uh, through which this came about went about it the wrong way. Uh, and, and I mean, I brought this up in the very beginning. I came. I came got, to the you really, really would listen to. Wouldn't you? I, I, you got I, a great response, didn't you? I, I came into the project very, very early on, and I said, "Where are the personas? I, who are we designing this for? Who's going to use this? How do they use it currently? What are their challenges? What are their goals? What like, this is the standard design process, right? You start by figuring out who is it you're targeting." And what do they need? And then how do you solve their problems? And then you figure out like, what is the journey they're currently taking through the application? And how can we take away some of the things that are problematic? And the response I got was, no, no, no. We're just working on a prototype for a type of interface. We're not really looking at how these people work yet. Then five months later, it's like, done. We're putting it in core. So that, that work was never done, right? Yeah. And of course, now there's so much sunk cost in this that there's no way anyone's going to go back and say, no, we need to look at personas. And then, oops, turns out no one wants this, right? So, and this is something that happens a lot in these types of projects that uh, people start working on something because they want to create some sort of feature um, because technology, they don't think about the end user. And there's going to be dramatic pushback from this. I mean, people watch this and they're going to be like, oh, that guy's always talking crap, right? But the thing is, this is actually how you need to do these things. This isn't something we're building for like hundreds of people. This is something we're building for millions of people. And shipping this kind of breaking change to how WordPress works it is going to impact a lot of people in a really bad way, simply because it is not considering how people really use it. Uh, and if you if you think about it, there's no easy way for a regular WordPress user to provide feedback about Gutenberg either. I mean, something may be in the works to solve that problem, but right now the answer is, oh, you, you want to have a comment? Go file a GitHub ticket, right? Mm, Which is like, yeah. the, the people who use WordPress, they're gonna be, what is GitHub? Then they go to GitHub and they go, I don't understand. I need to sign up for an account here. What is going on? It, it, this is not, this is not a tenable way to receive any kind of actionable feedback. And, and like just that point I made before, this is actually a breaking change to WordPress. This is the first time WordPress will ship a breaking change, meaning there's something that is introduced here that actually breaks how WordPress normally works. Um, it will result in theme developers have to build themes differently. Um, it means uh, the content that gets put into the WordPress database from Gutenberg forward will be different. So if you install Gutenberg, make some content, and then roll back to an earlier version, then your content doesn't work the way it's expected to work. So there's, there are significant things that are happening here. Um, and it's being shoehorned in in a really odd way. Uh, it's the same with like Gutenberg, the prototype runs React. So therefore, React is going to end up in WordPress core. So there's no deliberate choice here about like, should we use React or something else? It's Gutenberg runs React. And if we're going to put Gutenberg in core right now, we have to put in React too, because that's just what Gutenberg runs, right? Um, so the, the, it's, it's a really big challenge, because the intent is purely good, right? They want to make something better. And the ideas around the intent are also good. What's missing is the research. What's missing is the proof that this is actually something that works better. Because right now it's a technological solution without a defined problem. And it's very fancy, but it doesn't have data to, to back it at all. All right, then. I think um, we've had a good discussion. Um, I was going to go on to the third thing, but I think we need to get on to the main topic, actually. So we're going to go for our break, folks, and we'll be back. And we're going to be talking about the um, templates, template hierarchy, custom posts, all the good stuff about WordPress. We'll be back in a minute, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, 
page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's WP Tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back, folks. We've had a, a really interesting discussion, a couple of WordPress news stories. Got a great panel here. I'm enjoying the discussion. We're on to um, the main subject of this episode, um, hierarchy of templates, custom posts. Um, Sally, would you like to start with um, some comments about the main subject of today? Sure. I mean, actually, the third news story ties into this perfectly. It did. That's why I chose it. It's about the the acquisition of of WPHierarchy.com by WP Shout, who have updated it. I, I hadn't realized that it was out of date, but apparently it had... Uh, it had confused some uh, some things, and and now it is accurate again. If you need to go and see a visual example of the WordPress template hierarchy, which yeah. if you do theme development, you'd probably better go do if you haven't yet. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to me that one of the things that was recently introduced in WordPress was the ability to have you know different templates for not just for pages, but for posts and for custom post types uh, and have a, you know, a template drop down and, and do that. Now I thought, you know, that, that was cool. I was sure it would be useful. I haven't had cause to use it yet, however. Um, uh, but I think it's, you know, I think it's nice. And yet at the same time, in a lot of the work I do, I find myself moving away from creating templates, particularly for plugins. Uh, you know, I use the, the events calendar a lot. And, uh, you know, one of the annoying things is, you know, they tell you, well, yeah, copy this. And this is true for WooCommerce also. Copy, copy these, you know, templates over and edit them in a folder within your theme folder. And then every freaking time there is an update to the plugin, you have to, like, do a diff merge on all of your templates with their templates. And this is really annoying um and you know i mean people pay me to do this for them and i still don't like doing it Uh, so what i have tended to to do most of the time is if i need to modify any of those templates you know i write myself a a a plugin and i use hooks to put in what needs to go where it is and as long as there are enough hooks in the in the plugin to, to place things and enough filters to modify things, I don't actually have to recreate templates. And I, I find sometimes, well, maybe I need to, to do like one or two actual templates, but not as many. So there's not as much updating. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it is good to know if you are new coming in and, and thinking about, uh, you know, doing building themes or, or even just modifying themes, you know, looking at, at that uh, interactive visual hierarchy to, to see, you know, what's going to happen if you don't have a template for a particular, you know, post type or taxonomy archive or, or whatever it is, you know, where is it going to go? How, where are you going to end up with? And, and basically, you know, everything kind of falls back to, you know, to single.php, to singular.php, to index.php if it can't find anything else. And, uh, you know, knowing that helps you create it. And, and, you know, I remember it was kind of a big deal when you could actually use a slug for a, for a taxonomy or a post type instead of just the ID. Because, you know, uh, an ID might change. This is, if, if you like import and export stuff from a, from a website versus copying your whole database, your IDs on your, on your, uh, on your posts and pages will change. And surprise, anything that relies on your ID is, is, is not going to apply. So uh, I, I think since we have plenty of other people here to chip yeah. something in, I'll stop there. Well, that's great. But I think, um, I think it's one, it's one of the really strengths of WordPress compared to some other content management system. It's an extensive template system. And it's really surprising how much, um, if you're getting into WordPress, how much you can do with the templates. And then you've got the custom posts, which is another whole area. Would you agree with that, Morton? And do you think it's one of the, one of the core strengths of WordPress in some ways? 
A template hierarchy is fantastic. Uh, it is also something that is kind of going to die on its own. <laughs> uh, if you consider these two things that are happening, right? So you have the REST API, which ignores the template hierarchy entirely uh, because you're just working with data. And then you have this Gutenberg project, which eventually will turn into a site-wide editor, which uh, does away with the idea of templates altogether. The combine the combination of those two is, I think, if if you know, there's no asteroid that kills everything, and everything goes fine, and there's no dramatic new developments in web technologies, and we see ten years into the future, if WordPress just develops on a linear line, there will be no template hierarchy in ten years at all, because that is simply not the way that we're going to be interacting with content. That said, uh, the template hierarchy as it is now, it makes it very easy for people to understand how to display content in the PHP template, which is really important, especially because WordPress is the gateway people use to get into web development. And this uh, methodology of thinking, so yeah. you have different types of content and each type of content has its own template and you can then uh, you know, silo down into very specific types of content and provide specific templates to those pieces of content is an important understanding because that is how everything works on the web. So even if you use the REST API and you build some sort of fancy JavaScript uh, single page application thing, you're still doing the same type of approach where you're using templating and you're saying this type of content belongs to these files and these files generate that type of layout. So it's a really good way of introducing people into this way of thinking. Um, it is getting really complex and mm -hmm. detailed and you often see people having trouble traversing the tree and figuring out what's going on. Um, there are great plugins that solve that. You have all these plugins that you can install that reveal to you which templates are currently mm -hmm. in use. And I find them tremendously useful, especially mm -hmm. when teaching people how to build templates, because then you can see you open any kind of view and then you can immediately ask, what template am I currently using here? And then you can make, try to make a template and then see if that's the one that kicks in at the right time um, so that you can control the content. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting little quirk in WordPress that actually does good. Yeah, the other thing I was going to, you know, what Sally said about, you know, very popular third party um, plugins that have their own theme, um, their own template structure in them. Um, that sh for understandable reasons, she converts to filters, you know, um, <laughs> which goes back to the internal argument of either use native WordPress or use a framework like Genesis. But I'm not going to go down that road, folks, because uh, um, that's a rabbit hat. So, Adam, um, what, what's your thoughts about this? Have you got any? Because it's a little bit outside your interest, really, isn't it, Adam? Actually, you are wrong. It is inside my ah! interest. Right. Yes, but see, not like how you guys do it. So, you know, I'm not going to go, um, I deal with, I want things to be easy. <laughs> and, and creating a file and naming it whatever.php and putting a bunch of code in it, not going to be easy for me. It might be easy for you guys, it ain't going to be easy for me. However, I am going down this road of custom post types, custom fields, uh, relationships, and also creating the templates. But I think I'm doing it the easier way, the way that <laughs> the actual people that use WordPress could do, because I'm not a developer. I'll be the first to say that. And so um, I, not to shift the direction of the conversation, but my stack right now is I'm using something called pods. I don't know if any of you, I, I mentioned pods a couple weeks ago and what pods makes it, and I'm actually starting to release videos on pods. I just released a video on pods. I got a new one coming out uh, yeah, very today. Good. I watched your latest one. It was very excellent. Yeah, and this new one's going to teach the anyone how to do more advanced stuff with creating custom post types and then establishing the relationships with them. Now, that's really easy to do with pods and the custom fields and all that. And I'm doing some advanced, really advanced relationship stuff on my website right now. But then the challenge is 
to everybody else is how do you make it look pretty on the front end? And the solution to that is uh, getting back. Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good one though. No, it's um, it's uh, I, I think I might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago as well, and you, some of you guys are familiar with it. It's that new product that was released a month ago called Beaver Themer. So if you are someone that uses a page builder called Beaver Builder, you pay a little extra money, you get this thing called Beaver Themer. So you can create these using a page builder, you can create these archive templates, 404 templates, uh, taxonomy templates, uh, single post templates, and you can dynamically assign it to content. So now you don't have to pay as much attention to this hierarchy because you're now just doing it visually and it kind of opens it up to anyone to be able to do these kinds of things. Um, so uh, for me, I don't really get into the nitty gritty of the, the hierarchy because I'm not creating a static file. I'm going to use a tool that makes it visual for me to create these things. And it's what's very powerful is the maturity of these tools where you can now actually use a, a product like Beaver Themer and, and I, I can do the most amazing things with it because it's all visual and drag and drop and I don't have to write a line of code at all. Literally, I do not have to write a line of code. Perfectly integrates with advanced custom fields or pods and it is so easy to implement. So, um, for the non-developer, there are great tools where you can leverage custom post types and do some really amazing things that I don't think really WordPress was designed to do in the first place, which is, you know, uh, uh, creating some content outside of a post or a page. Now it's really easy for the average uh, person to do. And that's when I'm going down the road with my, uh, um, uh, with, I'm sorry, I'm going down that road with my videos, but this could actually tie into what the uh, the the first story. Oh no, we didn't get into that story. I wanted to I wanted to hash this out with the John and Jonathan and Morton and the girls here. The whole um, is the market WordPress shrinking and uh, not enough leads. That's the one. That's the story. Oh, Wait, that, was, that was last week. See? That was last week. Oh my gosh, I totally missed out. Well, there you go. I'm a week behind. I shouldn't have moved last week. Well, Anyways, I'm a, I'm, my, a year, I'm a year behind, Adam. So don't yeah. worry. Uh, my, the, let me just tie back into the point with that. It, you, you, if you're developing websites or you're developer, whatever, you got to start bringing these, learning how to do these things. If you're going to be able to create more advanced things outside of a brochure website, you got to learn this stuff whether it be through writing some PHP or using some of these easy tools, you've got to learn this well, stuff actually, I so that you can get I, I, your deals. I do know an extensive course, video course, um, and I know a guy that's actually developed a lot of courses. So he might, you know, I'll suggest you go on to lynda.com actually, Adam. <laughs> uh, um, but there, there we go. Uh, um, but um, I think you've just seen an example, folks, of because um, you've got Morton's observation about Gutenberg and about you know you need testing but then you've got the dynamics of the third party world of these page builders and they're really driving um, express speed functionality at a breathtaking pace what did you think about this John? Well I definitely agree with Martin that the, the future of WordPress and you know, in general, web development is going to be where you input data one place and it, it ports out to several places. That's just where web development in general uh, is, is going. And Isn't that kind of the definition of a content management system anyway? It kind of is. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, and but for now, I mean, definitely there, there are a, a lot of different ways to interact with WordPress. Um, the, the way, the traditional way that, that, that you build a theme, though, is, is through the templating system. Uh, if, you know, for a little while longer, that, that is going to hold sway. It is important to, you know, understand it. Uh, and the codex it offers a, a, a good understanding of that. If there's nothing else there, then it's going to revert to the index, you know, .php file. 
but there, there's many different ways that you can uh, create a page, a specific page, whether it's a specific archive, a specific page template, uh, or you know, a single post uh, or a single post type. And one of the things that we saw a few years ago, like about five or six years ago, was the introduction of post types. And that is really what moved WordPress from being a blogging platform to a true content management system was the introduction of post types. Uh, now that we have the REST API and we're, people are, are using WordPress uh, as a headless CMS in some cases, we're going to see more and more of that uh, as time goes on. So you know, definitely I think that is the way of the future. But again, you know, people interact with WordPress in so many different ways. Mm. Uh, with Adam, you know, he uses uh, Beaver Builder. I know Lee Jackson, same thing. Uh, with Beaver Themer, you can set up visual templates that you can reuse as well. Uh, there's some, for some people uh, working with a page builder, whether it's, a, you know, through a theme forest theme or Beaver Builder or Elementor, that's how they interact with it, so. Uh, it's it's very interesting times. It's know. really very dynamic, isn't it, John? It's, yeah. Uh, when you're outside viewing it, you really don't know where all this is going to go. Because like what Maltzen said about the uh, Restless API, I hope I just saw it as a way of um, complicated applications being built to a higher standard in Word using WordPress. What I hope doesn't happen is like it encourages a MySpace kind of scenario because um, that didn't end very well, did it? But um, time will tell, won't it? Um, so, Morton, what what would you advise somebody that is just getting into WordPress and they're and they're, they're trying to to improve their development skills? Is is learning the hierarchy of the template? really still very important because you know you've got this like pods and these beef, these page builders you know kind of comp a separate development way almost aren't they or what do you think help out Morton give me light if you're gonna learn WordPress you need to learn WordPress first yeah it's that simple like this is this is core WordPress development this the template hierarchy helps you understand how WordPress handles content. So uh, more than just saying it's a way of shunting the display of content down into the right silo and getting the templates to work, it tells you how WordPress understands the content you put into it. So uh, investing time in understanding the template hierarchy, even if, like I said, it's going to go away, is still worthwhile simply to get a better understanding of how WordPress puts itself together and how WordPress handles data. Because down the road, you will eventually build something like the template hierarchy anyway. Um, as for the success or failure or future of things like page builders, Gutenberg is specifically designed to do away with the page builder marketplace, I think, um, in a very real sense. Um, if you combine Gutenberg with uh, the REST API and new layout features like CSS Grid, you basically have a situation where pretty much everything that we've been doing in terms of page building and custom layouts and everything is going to change in a very fundamental way uh, over the next couple of years. So these companies that are currently shipping page builders have to figure out a way of either adopting what is happening in WordPress core and new web technologies to add on to the experience or they have to start figuring out new business models because the second WordPress core allows you to drag and drop content into whatever region you want using CSS Grid and making it super flexible and responsive, there's no need for a page builder anymore because that's what WordPress becomes. And that is the end game of Gutenberg. So next iteration of Gutenberg will have features like the ability to control what's going on in widgets and then eventually it'll just be the whole page. So it's, and, and, and then you get this whole idea of like, the, if Gutenberg allows you to create custom templates, then you don't need custom post types the way you do now, unless you want to segment content off into different silos. Um, 
it means that uh, the way that we now think about uh, custom fields changes because a custom field is really just a block unless you want to be able to query that field content specifically from outside the post. Um, so th there are a lot of there are a lot of p different things that are happening at the same time that are coming together to create this new environment where a lot of things will change very very quickly, and anyone coming into WordPress today should then therefore focus on the basics, understand how WordPress itself work, understand how WordPress itself handles content, understand how the template hierarchy currently exists, because in six months to a year, all of this will become the basis for the way you do things moving forward. Yeah, I didn't realize that was the end game, actually. I, 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 um, I listened to your knowledge um, intently, but I, I actually I wondered if I actually wonder if it's a really good idea. But it's, it doesn't really matter now because it's all been set the pathway. But um, you've put that very clearly. Um, it was a a bigger plan than I thought. I thought that, that the improvements were to improve just how you move internal structures in posts and pages, not to compete outright with the page builders and and other things but thanks for that input so um, it'd be really interesting to see what's going to happen in the next six months like you say yes um, I, I have a feeling that you know it's not the people like beaver builder that you know wordpress core is is really competing with they will kind of be uh you know <laughs> incidental casualties but you know the competition is you know wix and squarespace yeah. and those people and they have page building kinds of environments and and you know wordpress is inevitably going to move that way now i think tools like you know the beaver themer we're having a demonstration of, of that at, at sunday's meetup and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it um i think that you know one thing to be aware of is that's the kind of tool where if you're a sort of wordpress implementer if you are an agency it may be something that's very time saving but having a tool doesn't make you a designer and designing a theme is actually not that easy uh and uh, you know the thing that i that i've always felt very cautious about page builders is, is that it seems like a, an opportunity for your clients to you know <clears throat> to turn the website you just spent a lot of your time and their money making look good into geocities uh, <clears throat> well i think that's a great point actually saying so that's the only input i would give to you adam is that you sometimes you underplay your because you've got quite a good eye for design adam so when you're knocking around these with these page builders you end up with some decent looking stuff um but i've i know lots of clients and the sandy's just remarks about it when they knock around something they end up with a load of crap that's right well, uh, well, well actually when, well the uh, best practice is when you actually ship it you can restrict what the client actually has yeah. access to do to those designs so they can only change the content maybe via a custom field or if you talk to lee lee's got it down like the process down pat where they can only change uh, some words yes, so they can't and, screw and, it up right this is a this is an important feature but you know again that that is only going to apply if there's somebody who knows what they're doing that's building the site that uses this versus having the, the you know having clients buy it and and use it themselves mm -hmm. um but i think the other thing is you know one of the reasons that clients uh, struggle is that you know they're accustomed to something like microsoft word not to something where and, and they usually can't use microsoft word very effectively right they don't know they they just like make the text bigger and and bold in instead of using applying styles and and you know a lot of other things don't understand sort of outlining or, or any of that part of the point of having a content management system is exactly what john said before you input things here and then you can display them here and here and here and here and if you're just setting something up so that you just have a like completely new design every time you you have a, a page then getting to that content from somewhere else is is really pretty difficult and so i think that you know anybody who you know it doesn't necessarily have to be everybody who uses tools like beaver theme or like whatever ends up being you know built into to wordpress core eventually but the people who create it still need to think about 
right. How do, you know, why do custom post types exist? Why do, you know, this is ab about information architecture and content strategy. Uh, and not simply, you know, kind of creating a, a bunch of different randomness. I mean, you know, clearly Adam has, has thought stuff out very well about how I not only want to create these, I want to create relationships between them. And, you know, most of my clients are not thinking about anything like that at, at all. Not, not remotely about how is my content structured? How do, how do things relate to each other? How do I, I break these things down and, and describe them? And yet, all of that stuff is important, not just for the usability and navigability of, of, of your site, but also for your SEO. For, so, you know, it's, it's trying to figure out how to, how to create that stuff so that it can happen without people's, you know, I don't think you're ever going to get to a point where people can't have any awareness or understanding at all and still build a, a site of any complexity. I, th I think they have to be willing to take the time to figure out and understand some kind of a, a, a of content strategy and, and information architecture, um, you know, and what we want then is to make it as easy as possible for, for them to build. Uh, because frankly, if somebody has a brochure website these days, I wouldn't recommend that they build it in WordPress. You know, if you've got five pages and you're never going to edit them, you know, go ahead and go to Wix or just have somebody build it in HTML. It, you've got less yeah. maintenance overhead. Uh, yeah, and security, actually, we, uh, we were talking, um, we had a great interview um, on Wednesday, and for security reasons, maybe you'd be better off doing that. Um, what's that? Um, I'm going to let Kim say, Kim, you've been a bit quiet, haven't you? Uh, we've got any um, final um, insights about the conversation? It's got a different direction than I thought it would go, but it's been fantastic, though, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been really interesting. For me, it was... It was super critical when I was learning WordPress and I actually was doing more of the development and it, it was the, that informational structure just helped me understand because my background was more structured data kind of stuff before I worked with it. But now with what I do with, with my end users and stuff, it's something that I very, very rarely revisit and they're not, they're not, per, they're purposely not trying to learn WordPress from a development standpoint. They're people who want to have a blog type thing, or they had a developer build a site for them and they want to add their blog posts, but they're not, they're not even trying to learn that next level. And so it's not something I've revisited much recently. Okay. No, but it's been a fascinating conversation. Mm -hmm. um, before we wrap it up, folks, um, I just want to say that we've had a couple of reviews on iTunes and they've been really, really nice reviews. Thank you so much for the listeners and viewers of this. Um, saying that they've enjoyed the, um, the roundtables the most, even, but they said they liked the interviews and, um, and they like the guests, the panel and the ladies that join us. They, they, um, we me and John have actively tried to get a diverse panel as much as possible. Um, and I think we've achieved that. And I've really enjoyed the discussion. So I'm going to let the panel um, say how you can find out more about them and contact them. And I'm going to start with Sally. How can people get hold of you, Sally? Oops, somebody already does. Uh, yes, clearly people haven't gotten the message that they shouldn't get hold of me by phone when I'm uh, on this call every week. Is that uh, a landline? Uh, yes, that's my actual landline. Oh, um, I don't even know what that is. It's, it's uh, the phone I use most. Um, <clears throat> I still have a prepaid dumb phone. Uh, wow. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the telephone. Don't do it. Uh, WPFangirl.com. I am at Sally Getch on Twitter. And if you can spell my name, you can find me everywhere. There's only one of me in the, on the entire internet. Oh, that's great. Um, Adam, how can people get hold of you? Just visit me at WPCrafter.com. And uh, got a contact form if you ever want to ask me anything. If you leave a comment on any of my videos, I do actually respond to every single comment. And I'm on Twitter as well. I don't know how he does it, but he does. I don't know how he does it. Uh, um, Kim, how, how can people get hold of you? Um, on Twitter, I'm at Kim Shivler, or you can visit me at White Glove Web Training, and there you can get my contact form, email, um, links to the YouTube channels, etc. Oh, and I'd like to imagine, Kim, that Lee Jackson is hotter than 
in uh, Florida right now. He actually contacted me. He's uh, wow. sampling some drink and on the poolside, actually. He's <laughs> roughing it, isn't he? Um, oh, nice. Yes. Uh, Morton, how can um, people get hold of you? I am Morton on Twitter. That's M-O-R-1-0. For those counting, I just love it uh, when you just say that I am Morton. <laughs> there's another Morton on Twitter that spells his name the way I do, except not with a one zero but T E N at the end. And we have interesting conversations about people confusing us. Um, <laughs> and you can find all my content on uh, LinkedIn Learning, uh, and you can find my blog at morton.com. Oh, that's great. Thanks for joining. It's been fantastic. And John, how can people get hold of you? You can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, lockdown underscore, or follow my Facebook page, Lockdown Design. How do we get a hold of you, Jonathan? That was quite easy, folks. You can either get me on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood. You can um, post some stuff on the Facebook page, trying to be a bit more active there. Or you can just email me at jonathan at wp-tonic.com with any suggestions or feedback. It's most welcome. Me and John are always delighted when we get feedback, good or bad. It's great, isn't it, John? Um, So we're going to wrap up this show um, for the podcast. We're probably going to keep the recording going because last week we had a better discussion after the freaking podcast than before it i felt but we're gonna wrap this show up folks and we'll see you next friday for another wp tonic roundtable see you soon bye thanks for listening to wp tonic the podcast that gives you a spoonful of wordpress medicine twice a week